Welcome to All About the South. I'm your host, Bronco Phillip. Whatever you guys are doing right at this moment, no matter who you are, wherever you're listening, stop what you're doing. Just keep it simple. Let's not try and be Peyton Manning. For sure, he'll, he'll be fired by the end of the year. Gotcha. Oh, oh snap. I hope the Clinton's not listening. <laughs> what is that about? Stay from this side with my orange glasses. Straightforward. Are you going to stand up on a podium and, and say it loud, or are you just going to... Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I mean, why are we so sure that Florida, I don't understand where this Florida hop is coming from. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Did I trust Brom. I like Brom. I've been saying I like Brom for, for years now. But uh, they had the second worst defense in the Big Ten last year. Uh, See, I need 50 yards rushing out of Bo Nicks this week. Or I'm not going to believe in Auburn winning all over the place but thank the lord that all he had to do was throw it within 15 feet of those dudes and they were just coming down with it yeah game week you can't beat that uh feeling of game week good old game week move on to oh, oh, I'm, I'm not i'm not done with this all, all right, right sorry. go for it, go for I'm, it. Not, I'm not done You are now listening to All About the South podcast. Hey, everybody. So this week, we got some big-time matchups. We got Notre Dame, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, Texas A&M. Later on in the show, we're going to have my buddy Scott Green, big-time dog fan, really knowledgeable guy that played at LaGrange, going to come and talk, talk some Georgia football, give us a lot of insight on Notre Dame. But first off, we're going to start out with this hit-or-miss segment. Hi. How are y'all guys doing, Nico and Kane? Great. Doing great. Like I said, uh, last episode is Florida week. You know, as a Tennessee fan, we just keep feeling better and better just to get our hopes destroyed on Saturday. But it's uh, <laughs> Friday, so feeling good. So I like oh, the year. Yeah. It's like a good – uh, it's basically a Friday night for me. Uh, I just decided to take a day off tomorrow and prep for this A&M game. Uh, and that is real. This will be my first miss, uh, miss day of the school year, and I wouldn't want to take it any other way than prepping for the Texas A&M game. Dedicated. Yes, that, that's what you get on All About the South is just dedication to college football. <laughs> what do right. you do to, pre- to sorry, prepare yourself? To sorry, go? parents. I'm sorry, parents. What's your preparation? What's it going to look like? Uh, mentally, I'm just going to, I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch, uh, the A&M game from last year. Uh, I'm going to watch some previous. I'm going to even watch Menzel games. Like, that's seriously what I do in big games like this. Only games that Auburn, you know, Auburn has won, uh, has won. I don't watch any of the losses. But, so kind of just prepare myself mentally that, hey, we can do this. And drink a lot of water because, uh, you know, the alternate choice on the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just get hydrated all right so we're gonna we're gonna jump into this episode with a little hit or miss first question joe burrow is the best quarterback in the sec hit or miss in the entire Maybe. league in the entire league go ahead king no I, I gotta say miss i think we're i think we gotta pump the brakes as we, as we say um Ask me this question again at the end of the year, and we'll see. But, I mean, I still put Tua and Jake Fromm 
ahead of Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah, I could agree. Uh, Joe Burrow's having a pretty good season uh, so far. Um, but I do have to agree with Kane as well. Let's see at the end of the season if he keeps this up or uh, even near the Bama game if he keeps it up uh, around that time. We'll know more. But as for now, i got to go Tua from number two. So it's a no for me. Miss. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say miss. I, I like his winning capability and his, his swaggy nature and his just hard-nosed work ethic. And that's what LSU's been needing for a long time, but I think it's a little little too quick to say best quarterback in the SEC when you still got two of them from. But, you know, he, he's close there, and that's, that is all that LSU's needed. And he's becoming a, a little household name. Even Colin Cowherd's talking about him. So, all right, moving, moving on. Is Joe Burrow number three, though? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I, would say, I, I would have to say he's number three. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to say so. Who else is is there? Is Matt Matt Corral? Um, Felipe Franks is hurt. Um, there's yeah. there's no other quarterback that I could even think of to put at number three. Yeah, it's, it's I think it's just a a three headed horse up there, and then or a two headed monster, and then a uh, a little squire. And then, no, no, I guess you wouldn't call him a squire. Everybody else would be squires. What's the name that Burrow would be in the three hole there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have no I'd, idea. I'd, <laughs> I guess, yeah, I'd have to agree. <laughs> An apprentice. All right, All right, second question: Hit or miss? Ole Miss has the toughest out of conference game in the SEC this week. I mean, it's probably the only ranked. Out of conference game this week, I Except think Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Oh, she. I, uh, uh, she. Uh, I would have to say miss on that. I mean, I think Notre Dame is a better team than Cal at this point. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more on Saturday, and I mean, after Saturday night, I may, I may say Cal is a better team than Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, you might. <laughs> but, but uh. At this point, I'll say miss. All right. What about you, Nico? All right. So I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna say hit on this because I'm taking like in a comparative approach to this. So the team by the teams that they're playing, Cal compared to Ole Miss and Notre Dame compared to Georgia. I think Notre Dame is a much lesser team comparatively than. Cal and Ole Miss. Cal and Ole Miss closer in talent and um, capability. So I think it's a mu- it's a tougher game for them. Both ranked. Both really, we don't know what they what they're capable of. Um, Cal's beat a uh, Washington team, and Notre Dame's beat a Louisville team. So I guess I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, this is going to sound pretty uh, interesting for me, but. Arkansas better beat San Jose State because that was another game that I noticed was out of conference. Not that it's a a hard game, but Arkansas better beat them. And uh, but I gotta go that uh, it's actually a tougher, uh, a harder question than I anticipated. Uh, but I think Notre Dame would smack Cal, so I'm gonna have to go. Georgia has a tougher test, but I think Notre Dame's playing the better team. So, I think 
I'll go with that game. Well, all right. Moving on to our last hit or miss question. We're gonna we're gonna go up north a little bit. Even though these past two episodes have been very South centric, and you know I like it. I like us being um, proud of our heritage. But we're going up north real quick. Hit or miss. Is the Big Ten on track to get left out of the playoff? I have to say hit. I mean, typically, you know, the Big Ten kind of, they all beat themselves. And and that seems to be what keeps them out of the playoffs. And at this point, you know, Wisconsin looks good. I mean, we don't know about Michigan. We'll know more when they play Wisconsin Saturday. Of course, Ohio oh, State looks Ohio State looks great. Um but I could definitely see all of these teams, you know, kind of whooping up on each other. I think Ohio State has the best shot at making the playoffs. So. Oh, yeah, I would have to agree. Uh, see, I really like Ohio State, and I think that Justin Fields is very uh, – he's very good, and he's very good for that offense. I heard uh, a quote about Justin Fields, and it was like, Justin Fields was born – for the offense at Ohio State, like, and yeah. when you watch him in it every week, first play of the game's like a an over fifty yard play that's just uh, either him running it or throwing it, and they're up fourteen to nothing, and there's thirteen uh, minutes and thirty seconds left in the first uh, quarter. And he's like, "What in the heck? I just turned the game on." Uh, yeah, and I think yeah. they'll do that to every big team, uh, Big Ten team as well. I mean, Michigan and I mean, Michigan State might be able to hold in. Uh, they won't be able to score in Ohio State. I like Ohio State, so I'm going to go with a – I think Ohio State has a good chance to make it from that conference. So, whatever uh, – what is that, a hit? Or a, yeah, well, you would say – That would say uh, – miss. That would be a miss. You'd have to say miss. And a, I, a hard miss because Ohio State's very nice. I'm going to have to agree with you. Basically, on everything you said, I, I, I'm real high on Ohio State also. And Justin Fields, just his ability – to control that offense and how Ryan Day has surrounded that offense around him and Justin Fields just playing with a crazy chip on his shoulder. It's it's remarkable to watch his capabilities just being used to the highest that they can. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about Maryland possibly being a threat to the Big Ten, but um, after that podcast, we saw Maryland lose to a Temple team, and we saw Ohio State just shut the door on an Indiana team, and Justin Fields just show out. So it's crazy how things change from week to week. And I think I, I'm not sure anybody can really challenge Ohio State, and they're gonna they're gonna win out unless they slip up, and that would put them right in the playoff because they're one of those blue blood programs. But as Kane said, with Wisconsin and Michigan. That is uh that's something that we need to watch. If if uh, Wisconsin just comes out and Jonathan Taylor puts up like two seventy five on that Michigan defense and they just blow them out, it's like uh oh, yeah. You know they're on that other side where they play Minnesota and they just they just run through that side and then come come play Ohio State and a fresh Wisconsin team playing Ohio State in a conference championship. That that, that could be exciting, but yeah, I'm gonna say miss on this one. If Wisconsin can keep playing a shutout defense, it's definitely something to watch. That is crazy. Even though they have played Central Michigan, they beat them 66 to nothing. It's like, I mean, you would think Central Michigan would at least put up a field goal. Yeah. And Dormy's been putting up actually good numbers. Central Michigan, they're, 
Now, I believe they're playing Miami this weekend, and I was actually looking that for as a super dog possibly because they've actually been putting up pretty pretty good numbers. And um, Wisconsin just shut the door. They haven't allowed a single point this year. And although they've Very played good. some cupcakes, but it's still hard to go an entire game without giving up a field goal. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive even if you shut out a cupcake team, yeah. you know. Well, this uh, is the thing going- about the, the thing about the Big Ten. It's just like if they lose one game, what worries me is if they lose one game, they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, there's got to be a lot to run of the table. That happens. Right. So it's really like the same thing with the Big 12 in Oklahoma. If they slip up, yeah, they slip up and lose a game. There was chaos all over the rest of the nation, and so they get in. But people don't really want them in. Right. But it's about – it's Big 10 really hasn't showed up to the playoff. They, they went two years in a row without scoring a single touchdown. That's when Michigan State didn't score, and then Ohio State played Clemson and lost 31 to nothing. And they just, they've struggled when it comes to the big stage. Oh, this is really the first year that I haven't seen ESPN just going crazy about the Big Ten. You know, every year there's just been tons of hype, but I haven't necessarily seen that this year. I, I agree with that. It's because Urban Meyer's gone. <laughs> yeah, he's with Fox. So they're, Fox is a, uh... Is big on the Big Ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch a whole lot of Fox. That must be it then. I got to give a quick in-game update. Did y'all? Are you watching the? Yeah. Did you yes. see that play? I, I'm in it right now. I'm sad that I have it on mute and I can't hear Pat anymore. I, I love calling games, dude. I love yeah, it. He, he was probably going crazy after that. It's crazy. Uh, McCleskey playing with this two-lane offense and McMillan. And him transferring and being able to play under his dad. I know his dad's a cornerbacks coach, but that's that's big time for a guy to be a legitimate wide receiver at Oklahoma State. Then you know, go transfer to the American, start just ripping it up. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, this this turned out to be a hot game. But yeah, all it's right, gonna be, it's gonna be a good one. Join us in this next segment. We got my buddy um Scott Green coming on. He's going to give us some good information about Notre Dame, Georgia, and that will transition us right into our pick'em. Please join us then. Welcome to All About the South. I'm your host, Bronco Phillip, and I'm joined by Kane and Nico, and we got a special guest on this show. His name is Scott. He's a good military buddy of mine, played college ball at LaGrange, just got done with an event at Dog Nation. How you doing, Scott? Doing great, Phillip. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. So for this segment, we're going we're gonna to jump into the big game this weekend, Notre Dame at Georgia. 
And so we're just going to start this off with um, what do you think the keys to UGA winning the game offensively are? So it's no surprise to anyone that Kirby Smart loves running the ball. And this game is no different. The biggest test that Georgia is going to have is consistency. Can we keep up in the yards per carry average segment? And can we make sure our running backs get a good rhythm? Having five guys rotates great, but that actually can be a deficit. If you push too many people in there, Swift's not going to get a good rhythm. Harrion's not going to get a good rhythm. White, I believe, needs to average around five to eight carries for this game. Harrion a solid 15, and Swift needs to get 20-plus. We really got to showcase in this game DeAndre Swift. Um, our offensive line needs to really pick it up on the schemes, uh, understanding how they're going to blitz. I do know that we're much more athletic and much more gifted in the talent category than Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's a tough football team. I know a lot of guys are looking at this 14-and-a-half point spread as it currently sits and resting on that. Uh, the offense has got to come out jumping. It cannot sit there and think conservatively. It cannot sit there and think, well, let's not make mistakes. Let's just keep be consistent. We have to be explosive. So the two, the two biggest notes to take away from that, I would say, consistently running the ball, but being explosive when you have an opportunity to. Yeah, I, I know before the season, the first couple of weeks, I've been big on um, Coley and Jake Fromm trying to get to the edges. But for me, honestly, just run down their throat, dude. Because I was I was watching the past couple of games, and um, in their last game, they split out the the Will and the Sam in, in coverage, and they just couldn't stop the run. They, they just have five guys in the box, and the only guy that's really making a play on the ball was number five. I think that's Tug of Viola for Notre mm-hmm. Dame. And it was, it was, they were really struggling with the run. They just didn't have enough bodies, but they were good Absolutely. at containing on the edges the run. But just coming through the, uh, just the middle, they were having a lot of trouble. So I think Notre Dame is built around stopping the pass this year. I think there's a lot of evidence to prove that. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that Notre Dame is going to have a major issue with is their depth. When you get smashed in the mouth for four quarters, especially the way this offensive line loves playing and the way we love running the ball, I think we're going to see Notre Dame wear out. I do see a close first quarter. I see the second quarter show signs of Georgia pulling away. And ultimately in the third and fourth, I see that that smash mouth football taking its toll and us really separating ourselves from Notre Dame in that regard. But one thing I will say, and this fact blew me away when I was looking into it, Notre Dame has been outrushed for two games. Louisville and New Mexico should never, ever have more rushing yards than you. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think that's where that mentality that Notre Dame has set into itself of, okay, we need to be simple in the run game, simple in our run contain, focus on the pass. I think that's ultimately going to be their downfall this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would have, to, have to agree. Um, do you think this will be the game that UGA proves its premier dominance on the offensive line? Like we've seen videos of Cade Mays just manhandling dudes. Do you think this is the game that everyone's like, Georgia has the best offensive line in the nation? A- absolutely. I-, I couldn't agree more with that that statement. The biggest question mark for Georgia is, as it stands, you've played no one. You've always fell short of the big game. What's going to happen in this first test? You guys are looking as if you could finally be that championship caliber team, the one that gets you over the hump. But Arkansas State's not a test. Murray State's not a test. And Vandy has fallen short in every other contest they've played. 
So you have to show us something against a talented Notre Dame team, especially on this offensive line, because it's had so much hype around it, so much national attention to it. It's time to pay the piper on this one. I think the big thing that I'm really looking forward to is the blocking downfield has been tremendous this year. And you, uh-huh. you brought the best name to bring up is Cade Mays. This kid loves playing offensive line. He's so talented right now. He's rotating between the guard and tackle position. He's He was playing filler for us at, at the fifth and sixth spot on the offensive line. But I think he represents the mentality of Georgia's offensive linemen. Play nasty, play smart, but be really aggressive throughout the game and just turn that motor on. But th- this has to be that game where Georgia really steps up and gets the national spotlight because Clemson's Clemson's clearly earned it. I think Clemson's earned every minute they get on ESPN. Uh, the A&M game, the dominance that they showed there, sure, 24-10 doesn't look that great, but I'm telling you, every minute of that game, Clemson owned. At no point did Jimbo Fisher have a chance to do anything to Clemson, and that's the type of game I'm looking for, especially on the offensive line, for us to do this Saturday. Yeah, and that's 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 the type of game I, I'm really expecting. It's it's fun for ESPN to say, oh, it's seven versus three. It's a big time matchup. But honestly, I believe we're gonna we're gonna get on the field and we're gonna look up at the third corner and be like, this really wasn't seven versus three. But uh, so moving to the other side of the ball, what, what do you think the keys for uh, Georgia is to win the game defensively? So I say this candidly, I think Georgia's defensive back crew. Uh, by the aggregate numbers I have, is top three in the nation. So with that being said, one of the better defensive backs we have, uh, Tyson Campbell, I have it on good authority. He's not going to be able to play Saturday, or it's unlikely he's going to be able to play. Uh So Notre Dame's got this beast of a receiver. I I think he should be playing tight end, but he he wants to be out in the open. Claypool at 6'4", 220, is going to be going against one of our rotating backups. Um, We have a Juco transfer. Go ahead. Yeah, he's legit a tight end playing a wide receiver. Like there's he's there's there's no like his speed, you'll see him going across the field and you're like, that's a tight end, but he just that's a big old boy. Lines up out wide. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you know, Tyson Campbell is our largest, most athletic uh corner. Uh I think Eric Stokes is the cleaner package. I think he's actually gonna be better than DeAndre Baker as the season goes on. But Campbell being out, that really does hurt us. That's gonna put us to Tyreek Stevenson and uh, DJ Daniels rotating at that position. I know Kelly's going to try to focus to get that island set up so Claypool and Book can uh, hopefully meet each other on the field at some point. But I'd say the key thing George has got to focus on is making Notre Dame one-dimensional so they can focus on just one thing. I know their rushing has struggled uh, for Notre Dame, and – I know people bring up 2018. Georgia's rushing defense was lack, but our inside linebacker crew this year, our outside linebacker crew, that hybrid defensive end outside linebacker position, mm-hmm. it, it's so different. It's it's almost unfathomable the the ma- the amount of gains we've made this year. Um, Arkansas State's a four year bowl team. They've gone to a bowl game yeah. four years in a row, and they average 0.9 yards per carry. Yeah, and y- y'all beat them how SEC team should beat a Sun Belt team. Y'all are y'all are yeah. one of the few that can actually say they beat a beat a. Oh, that's not a shot that's, at Kane. Sorry, my bad, Kane. My bad. 
Yeah. Well, you know, that was a good win. <laughs> just just to go off on that tangent real quick, I, I am a huge SEC proponent, but the SEC dominance of yesteryear is just that. The SEC has become much more top heavy. Um, fewer teams are gathering more talent. Um, in the East, it's almost unquestionable who the best team is. And in the West, we finally have an LSU team that may rise to the challenge, but is it likely? Still to see, because we don't know how good Texas really is. But we do know that was a good game. That was a very good win from an LSU team that looks developed into a totally different direction. But uh, getting back to us on, on the defense, the biggest X factor in terms of how we approach this game is how we rush the, the passer. Mm-hmm. Ian Book can continuously make that drive last a little longer. He can turn a broken play into a successful one. And the way we have to rush him is we cannot rely on stunts, schemes, to open up those natural running lanes that could happen if you don't approach the pocket the right way. So what I'm looking for is two things. Force Notre Dame to to pass the ball after you shut down the run and then look to simple bull rush them with a lot of your bodies rotating so you have fresh legs against tired offensive linemen. Because clearly they struggle against speed. Louisville proved that. Yeah, I would would agree. Uh, Does Ian Book's mobile ability worry you at all? Absolutely. I I think any Georgia fan that even with us having Monty Rice and Crowder, uh, two good inside linebackers, uh, one a former three-star who plays like a four-star and another four-star who plays equivalent to his talent, it's still always is a question in terms of Kirby's scheme of how we approach a quarterback that has that ability. Um, Tua wasn't able to do that because we game planned so well around him. But when Hertz came in, and obviously Hertz is more of a running back with an arm than he is a quarterback, in my humble opinion, mm-hmm. he he proved that, hey, if you scheme one way and another thing happens, our defense, technically uh, speaking, is at a disadvantage the way we build out our, our defense. Now, it, it relies heavily on inside linebackers being smart, being ball hunters. So I see... Rice having to make a few plays, but it always worries me just because it can keep the drive alive. But this time it's less so than it would have been in the past. So I I would say on a scale of one to 10, I'd say it's about a five uh, because I can see Ian Book running for his life to keep the play going alive. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, hey, crazy things happen when everyone's all over the field. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree. That'd be the one thing that worried me is his his mobility. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't, it does. I would say a five is a good number for that. So moving on to just Georgia culture. Uh, what's the best Georgia fan tradition? So there's this amazing speech, um, which is a combination of Larry Munson's best calls uh, that they play on the Jumbotron in Sanford Stadium. And any Georgia fan that's listened to Larry Munson knows that that was the clear voice of our football team for so long. And hearing all these great moments uh, and triumphs of Georgia football all come together during the Kirby Smart era, I mean, it it just means so much. I think the biggest thing I've always waited for is for our talent to be matched by a coaching staff that understands how to win. Dabo and Saban have clearly set themselves apart from the rest of the nation. Mm-hmm. And I do think we're the young pup in the litter that's following suit. And that, that promotional video they do where they play a lone trumpet on the east side of Sanford Stadium 
and it just bellows out and you have 90,000 plus people quiet, just listening to this beautiful trumpet blare its battle battle song. It, it just, it gets you ready to play football. You're hell, hell you're ready to suit up with the boys. So <laughs> I already spot the ball. That's right. I hear you. I hear you. So I got a two part question here. So, but for the first part, so who you got winning this game? You got a, you got a blowout. You got a close game. What you got? So first quarter, I can see a 14, seven, 14, three. Uh, I see Georgia going in the half, uh, 21, seven up on Notre Dame. And that's where I really think we see the big deviation happening is Notre Dame's a little beat up. They, they see how the slow death of us running against them is going to continue regardless of what they do. So on a more motivation standpoint, I think that's going to really hurt them going into the half. I see this game end up being, I would say 34, 10 is likely. I'd like to see a 41, 10 game, but 34, 10 is more likely. Um, I really don't see it going the other way on paper at all. I think this team is drastically different than last year. Last year, our average classman was a 1.8 out of four. So a, a senior freshman or a young sophomore. So that motivation or the understanding of, hey, we got to play consistent no matter who it's against. I think that's out of the window. And I think Kirby Smart's got these boys locked down and hunkered down, ready to go on Saturday. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree. For the second part of this question, since you did say that they're going to bring home the dub, how crazy will Athens get after a win against the Irish? Oh, man. Well, you know Athens will get it several times as like yeah. the big party capital in college. It's going to be insane. I think the one caveat I'd say to everyone listening, anyone who's a big Georgia fan, be nice. Notre Dame was amazing at the new South Bend Stadium when, when they traveled up there. Um, I've only heard good things. Be a great fan. Be a great representative of the South. But at the same time, go crazy. I mean, this is a big <laughs> statement. <laughs> I mean, you'll finally gather that national spotlight. I feel like we've deserved after three games. Instead of that passing five-minute highlight reel and then 20 more minutes about how great Trevor Lawrence's hair looks, I think we need to be in the same category. Um in the same talk as Bama and Clemson after really laying the wood to these Irish dudes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Athens a couple of times cause I went to college near there and it was, it was always a great time even though I'm big time Clemson fans. It's a great little city. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, and just on, on one caveat, I, I cannot wait to finally play Clemson after this long dry spell. 2013 <laughs> yeah. was too long ago. Yeah, we were, um, me and my dad, actually, we were at a Braves game last night, and we were um, looking forward to the games, the out-of-conference games we have, and we got Notre Dame in 2021, then LSU for two years, then we got Georgia, or 2020 Notre Dame, and we are talking about going to all those games, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. Absolutely, and I think you guys obviously have, have a great path ahead of you. I, I couldn't sing Dabo's praises anymore. I think he's the one guy that's figured out Bama is just another team and you have to play your game and just throw away all of that emotional side, all that intimidation factor. And that's why I think he's won two out of the last three. I think you guys are on your way to being in contention for a fourth. Hopefully we're the ones who stop you. If not, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good game regardless. So, Yeah, I would have to agree. Well, 
Uh, thanks for joining us, Scott. You can follow him on Twitter. He's a Sergeant Green Jr. That's his handle. It's SGT for Sergeant. Um, thanks for joining us, man. It was great talking to you. Um, Absolutely. Hopefully we can have you on me. again. Yep. Thank you so much. Welcome to All About the South. I'm your host, Bronco Phillip. I'm joined by Kane and Nico. We just had Scott on to break down some Georgia Notre Dame, had some great points, great content. He's just an all, all around great guy. And we're going to now talk about his points and kind of expand upon what we believe the Notre Dame Georgia game is going to be like. You're going to take us, Kane. You got us? Uh, man, Scott did an awesome job. He brought brought some good points to light. Uh, definitely hit some things. You know, talked about some things that I didn't really think about, um, and made me even more sure that Georgia is going to dominate this game. Uh, I picked Georgia. I'm taking them 38 to 14 in this game. I really just think that offensive line for Georgia is going to show out. Um, like we had discussed, you know, that Georgia offensive line is just going to prove that they are the best in the league. Um, you know, maybe have two or three guys pushing a hundred yards, definitely taking the dogs in this game. Nice. I, I really appreciated, uh, several things that Scott had to say and his, uh, attention to detail. I mean, you could really tell the guy knew exactly what he was talking about. And, uh, I believe, I believe even more in Georgia now than I already did. So, uh, the biggest thing for Georgia for me, though, is and a point that he made that I just want to uh, carry on is they have they cannot let Ian Book out of the pocket, or they can't let him have running lanes out of the pocket and extend drives, just like he said. That was an excellent point, or even just bust a big run and just get any type of confidence because uh, he does he's able to win games. Ian Book is a, a he can be a potential game changer. And uh, SEC teams historically do the the running quarterback is a uh, or the dual threat quarterbacks a tough thing in the to guard period and the SEC historically doesn't guard it well uh, even Alabama they don't guard it guard it well or defend it well so if they can do that and I I believe they will so I want to take Georgia and uh, they're going to cover the spread in my opinion as well. Yeah, I'd have to agree with both of y'all and Scott. 
it's, it's actually pretty funny. Me and Scott, we were both in um, Afghanistan together. And you, you can only imagine the topics that we got on, you know, in between ops, just being able to talk and have nothing else going on, just going into Clemson, Georgia, off-season recruiting. It, we just would have a heck of a time. But, yeah, I went back and watched the New Mexico game and the Louisville game that Notre Dame played. Um, I'm really, really happy that Notre Dame and NBC Sports does condense games because I was able to rewind, pause all those games, and it not take six hours. But I do like Ian Book as a quarterback. I like his, I like his mechanics. He's got a quick, fast arm. He's very quick in everything he, he does, decisions, progressions. He's, um, he's accurate. Very accurate, but his accuracy fades with distance, and he loves throwing the Clayton Claypool. That's that's his dude. If um, if another guy has one guy on him and Clayton's got two guys on him, he's gonna throw it to Clayton. He has tons of loyalty to that dude. Just trusts him like crazy, and that could possibly be a problem with Georgia. But I just I don't see this offense being able to produce enough to challenge this defense, and. The Notre Dame offensive line, there's some major questions. They consistently struggle with complex stunts. If if you're if the right side's faking the left side comes, it's just that they they come through the line a lot. Um when it comes to run blocking, those A and B gaps, they struggle with guys coming through. And um but on but on the edge they they can they can block pretty well. But um it's just they, they they do struggle. And Notre Dame on the defensive side went like I said, A the A and B gaps, they they struggle with the run game coming through those gaps, but they can contain on the edges and swing routes out of the backfield they, they do struggle with. But um yeah, I got I got Georgia winning this game. I, I could definitely see a possibly even a forty two ten kind of score, but yeah, I think um Kane scores right right around where I believe it needs to be, but um, yeah, Georgia. I, I don't think they necessarily have to really pass the ball. They just the plethora of running backs. Even though Scott said that he he wants more consistency with with the one and two guys, get them in a rhythm so that they can have monster games. But I don't. I don't honestly think it matters for this game. Just they're going to be able to run all over them. I mean, that's what Georgia does, and that's yeah. probably what, what they're going to keep doing on Saturday. Yeah, that um, the big concern for me with Notre Dame is just those trenches, and the the offensive line isn't as incapable as I said. The defensive line, the offensive line, they do struggle with the complex stunts, but they're they're better at those A and B gaps. But the defensive line. Like the the linebacking core, they're actually pretty good in coverage, but it's because those Will and Sam linebackers want to cover. They're like, it's like the first instinct is to drop back in coverage. And whenever they split out and they only have five dudes in the box, as I just said a couple minutes ago, they um they really struggle with the run. And that was against New Mexico. Old Tennessee transfer Jones is just getting outside the pocket and trying to run all over them. And it's just and you saw the issues they had with Louisville, so yeah, I got, I got, I got Georgia in this game. Okay, Florida Hate Week, the Swamp. Kane, you pumped for Tennessee at Georgia, at Florida? Very nervous. 
I'm very nervous. So we had a we had a caller call in and please call in and and leave us some voicemails. We're 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 gonna play you. We we don't we don't care what you say. If you bash us, if you say, "Hey, Bronco's the ugliest dude I ever seen." Hey, I'm gonna play it. So we're uh, we're gonna play a clip right before here. <laughs> What's going on? It's Reese from Laugh At It, Georgia, and uh, I got a question about the Vols. Do y'all really believe in this hop they're building up for the Florida game, or is it just going to be a blowout for Florida? And also, I'm winning that fantasy league, so don't even come at me. Threw some uh, some uh, fantasy hate at us. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, Reese. I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not buying the hype that Tennessee fans are creating for themselves. I don't think anybody else is really creating hype. Uh, but that's what we do. We hype ourselves up year in, year out for this game. Make ourselves feel uh, feel good, and then we just get disappointed. You know, I was in Knoxville last year, and we. I mean, I can't even tell you what the score is, but. We got killed. Um, we turned the ball over what, like four or five times. Special teams was horrendous. And that is the opposite of how you beat Florida. Um, and that is actually my keys to the game this Saturday is to play clean football. Um, no turnovers on offense. Create turno- turnovers on defense. Uh, you look for two to three turnovers. Um and maybe a, an explosive special teams play. And truthfully, that's the only way I see Tennessee winning this game. Um, we saw some good things against UTC last week. Uh, we saw that <laughs> we saw guys, yeah, and, that, and that's tough to say, but like it, they, it, we saw guys flying around and you did, we didn't see guys flying around against Georgia State and we didn't see guys flying around against uh, BYU. Um, is it so you see a revitalized defense? I see a different defense that seems a lot more aware of what's going on. Um, and and it's it's so hard to say that because it was UTC, and I'm not saying that when we go to Gainesville that we're going to look like we're playing UTC because we're not. Um, but getting to the pick of it, I'm I'm struggling, struggling with it. I'm trying to be realistic as I can, but this game just has a feel to it. It feels like, like Jawan Jennings is in his sixth year and Jawan Jennings hates no other team more than Florida. Jawan is going to have those guys pumped. And if, I mean, shoot, Jawan may just carry the entire team on his back and just win this game by himself, but it's really going to come down to the defense. Um, I'm gonna go with the balls. I'm gonna. I'm the gonna. Balls, go I'm with gonna it. That's what I like to hear. That's I what hate, I like to hear. That's I hate what to I was do waiting it. for the whole time you're talking. Let's go. But I'm trying to be realistic. I mean, truthfully, I I don't think we have a good shot at winning this game. But uh, I I like so it. I'm gonna. I, I like I'm, how post week one Kane to now we got pre week four Kane. I love it. I, I'm that's why we, love, that's why we love college football. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad relationship. 
If we do win, it's going to be like a three-point margin. And I think Samaglia is huge in this game. Samaglia has been lights out. I mean, he's kicking 50-yard field goals like it's nothing. So if we can just get in field goal range, our defense can hold up, keep Trask limited, you know, like I don't think Trask is really going to turn the ball over, so that's what scares me. I almost feel better against Felipe. Um, but Florida's banged up. Like you got CJ Henderson's probably not going to play. Tony, we know Felipe's out. It, it's setting up good. It's a 12 o'clock game. Uh, we tend to play better in those games. Let's see. Dang. Kane, you almost convinced me. <laughs> Go for the balls in this game. Unfortunately, I just, I, I just can't do it. So, and the reason is, is because Tennessee has still the only game that they have showed up in is the UTC game. This is Florida, and I do understand that uh, it is a pretty, a pretty big game. And a pretty big robbery, uh, more, more importantly. But I just, I just think Dan Mullen's really going to out-scheme uh, Tennessee, period. I think they're going to find weaknesses. I think they're going to attack different, uh, different points. And I think Florida's going to be able to run the football a little bit, too. So I don't see him covering the spread, uh, which is 14. And I think it'll be a pretty – close game, but I do think Florida's going to make a play or two or or three or just a, a late touchdown to make it like a 10-point game, but I do think it's going to be a pretty close game. But Yeah, I just I I, I haven't seen it enough I haven't seen it enough from Tennessee in order to have my confidence for my pick in them. I, I want to be high on Tennessee I wanna I wanna go back on them. You know, I said they were gonna be a nine and three team before the season, but I just I'm not high on Florida either. But even with Trask back there and Felipe Franks out, I still I still got them winning. And it's at home. If it was up in Neyland, I could I could possibly see some some magic happening, but it's gonna be real hard to take that momentum from the UTC game into the swamp. But you know, you know these are the type of games that anything can happen. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm reminded of that time I was at your house, Bronco, and uh, y'all all went to dinner. Yes. And Ten- Tennessee was getting killed. And then Jawan Jennings, I mean, this was two years, two or three years ago, Jawan just took over that game because I just had faith. I was like, man, we can come back. We can, we can come back because it's just Tennessee, Florida. That's the way it goes. So, so the background crazy. on that story, here's what happened. It was a, the gender reveal for my first son. And Kane was here with Carissa and we're going out to dinner and we're going to Texas Roadhouse and Kane's like the Florida game just started. And, I'm, and we're like, hey, bro, we can go watch the uh, it's, it might be on at Texas Roadhouse or whatever. He's like, nah, I'm staying here. And Carissa went out to eat with all of us. And sure enough, it was, it was probably the best game of that year. And Kane was able to actually watch it. And it wasn't on at Texas Roadhouse. And so he, he made the right call there. but. Yeah, that, that was that was quite the time. 
a very selfish move by me, but it, no, it, no. It, was, it, was, <laughs> it was it was worth every bit of it. <laughs> you had a feeling, okay? Is that the same feeling you have this week? Mm. I, I have. I do have a feeling in my gut. But you Ooh. truly don't know that feeling until you wake up on Saturday morning, especially at a noon game. You're gonna wake up early Saturday morning and let text in the group and let me know how you feel Saturday morning uh, on game day. You're gonna be even more confident on game day. I guarantee it. Uh, I will. It's every single day leading up. I get more confident. You you got to stay off the blogs, man. Like you got to stay off the blogs. You got to stay off the. The research and just take one week off and see what they see. See how they surprise you on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of feelings and how you feeling on Saturday mornings, how are you going to wake up feeling, Nico, for this Auburn Texas game? <laughs> I like that entrance right there, man. That was that was pretty really nice. And like I said, I'm already pre. Uh, my preparation has started now. Um, and I'm not. I'm really not kidding about that. I've this game is going to stress me out to the point of because I want us to win. I want us to go 4-0, and I want us to kick off this SEC run uh, 1-0 and against a, a really solid uh, West opponent, uh, Texas A&M. But I think I'm going to feel uh, pretty pretty confident, as, as confident as I can be, like a, a, a 60-40 type confidence level. Uh, and there's some concerns, of course, but if we can run the football like we, like we did against Kent State, uh, which is, it's not. I guess it's uh, not really laughable. But we had three guys go over a hundred yards, and then a lot of people um, make make big plays offensively. We put up a lot of numbers, historic numbers. And uh, are we? We're not making a pick right now, are we? Are yeah, yeah, we're oh, okay. we're doing it. You know I'm going with my guys. I'm not going to put on the air what I put in the pick for this. But I'm <laughs> confident in my Auburn Tigers this week. I really, truly am. I think Bo Nick's going to go in. He's going to be extremely uh, calm, cool, and collected. Uh, I don't think the crowd's going to bother him much at all. And I think we're going to be effective in running the football. So uh, let's go Bo Nix. And watch Bo Nix have a, a – a, Hey, I'm Bo Nick's moment in this uh a couple moments in this game. I like it. Uh I'm right there with you. I'm taking Auburn. Uh because of Auburn's run game. Um and because of what we saw from Texas A&M against Clemson like they were almost non-existent in that game. Um they showed that they did not have much depth on the defensive line. You know, they were, I mean, these guys were down every other play, and Auburn is just going to run the ball down their throats and just wear them down. The only thing concerning for me is the 12th man in this game. That's the only matchup that's concerning. And, you know, with it's like the 12th man versus Bo Nix, the true freshman. I mean, it's, will he step up? I think he will. But I think it's going to be more about the running backs than Bo Nix. Bo Nix is used to this environment. We all know he was at the uh, 2010 National Championship game versus Oregon. So uh, he's used to this environment already. Right. <laughs> they, show that, they show that clip every 
That was really <laughs> a joke. But they show this clip every single game. Give me some new information on Bo Nix, ESPN, please. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't mean to rain on your parade, Nico, but I gotta. I gotta be honest with you here and all of them. The SEC faithful. No, don't 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 do what you're about so to do. So here's here's the deal. Listen, you know, you got don't do you got Kellen Mond prolific prolific army. He's he's gotten better. You got Courtney Davis, you got Jimbo Fisher scheming, maneuvering, and you got the 12th man. What what is Auburn gonna do against the 12th man? I'm gonna tell you what they're gonna do. They're gonna war dangle and they're gonna win the game. Okay, Auburn's gonna mind. win this never game. Mind. They're gonna run never down mind. their throat. That it's defensive line, me and Kane saw them live. They're unconditioned. They lack depth. They they couldn't stop Clemson's run, even though Clemson does have a pro- prolific running game. But they sold out on the pass and they just they couldn't stop the run. They got they would march down the field and get to the 30-yard line, all of a sudden they'd have an injury because the lack of depth, the lack of conditioning. I know it's at home, but Auburn, when their running game is clicking, yes, it was against Kent State, but they're just going to run through that Texas A&M defense. And yeah, I got I got Auburn winning this game. Sorry to do you like that, Nico, but... I <laughs> I, uh, I'm glad you came back. You pulled through in the end. Right there. You, you kind of uh, Lee Corso'd him there. Yeah, I tried. tried. All that, not all so that fast. Not Def- so fast. Definitely out there. Yeah. Hey, uh, college game day. You know, I'll never leave the podcast, but if you ever need a replacement, there, there's my resume right there. So, see college game day like lining up a bunch of guys, putting on headgear, and just see how well they put <laughs> headgear on. How, how, the form. <laughs> man, it's course the way after. He's gonna take it to the end. And, uh, <laughs> he's gonna take it to the end on game day, man. He really is. He's a legend. Yeah, he might Lee die, die on legend. the stage. How do you guys feel when Lee Corso picks your team to win, like in a big time matchup? How do you feel? I used to be superstitious and be like, "Oh, we're gonna <laughs> lose," but nowadays I'm like, "Let's go." Lee knows what he's <laughs> talking about. <laughs> Can't remember the last time Lee Corso was at a Tennessee game, so that's, that's what I'm saying. All right, moving to a game that Lee Corso probably will will never be at: um, Southern Methodist at TCU. Big time oh, matchup, Texas little Texas private school rivalry: Methodist versus. Um, I guess non-denominationals. I, 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 well, Texas Christians are bad. The school, I, I, I don't know, but you know, you got Christian school versus Christian school. Who's who's pulling out in this one? Let me let me jump in because I've been pretty uh, high on SMU all year, and uh, not, I mean, not really like keeping up with them as in watching all their games and whatnot. But I have been rooting for them and uh, picking them week after week. Just because of uh, the coaching staff, I'm telling you, these guys are mm, the uh, the offensive minds there are uh, are very crazy, and they have really really good tools. I mean, uh, Chad Morris didn't leave this cupboard bare, uh, and he he didn't pull he, a jimbo. No, and he uh, he actually had these guys prepared and ready for a spread attack like this, and they just built off what Chad Morris had going there, and. 
Uh, I really like SMU uh, just overall, period. So uh, I'm taking them in this football game. Uh, the Pony Express, formerly known as the Pony Express. <laughs> to me, this was like the easiest pick out of these list of games that we had. Um, I'm taking TCU. Horn um, Frogs. And basically, after what we saw from, you know, we saw the, or we heard the hype about their defense. You know, their defense is the best in the pack or the Big 12. Um, yeah. And they looked good against Purdue. I mean, they, they looked solid. Their passing game is very inconsistent and it's concerning on offense. Um, but I mean, they've got somewhat of a run game and a very good defense. And I think that's just going to be too much for SMU. I'm taking TCU like 28-10. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you, Kane. Even though I have been very high on SMU, and I've been on that bandwagon with, with Nico, I, I love the coaching staff. I love Shane Bouchelle. He's a, he's a solid quarterback. And um, they're, they're running back. Xavier Jones, you know, put up 291. Solid dude. Great skill players. But TCU isn't North Texas. And just just being honest here, you know, TCU against Purdue, they only allowed 75 passing yards. And that was, uh, what, what, what was it like? Purdue had the third best passing offense in the nation and just right. shut them down. And so that's what SMU wants to do with Sonny Dykes. They want to they aerate it out. They just... They want to pass it all over the field, and Shane Bouchelle's a great quarterback, but that's that's their strength. And, and to, their strength is to pass it all across the yard and then give it to Xavier Jones. Xavier Jones has 100 yards at the end of the game, but they can't just solely depend on Xavier Jones to win the game, and that's what they're going to have to do against TCU. I definitely could see like 28-10. I've seen um, a lot of people saying like 34-18. I believe it's going to be closer than that. See them closing in on the spread, but TCU coming out and win this game, especially, you know, Gary well, Patterson. What you guys say, Nico? Did I mean did Alex Delton not uh, lose the quarterback job at TCU as well? I mean, yeah, he uh, Duggan is is quarterbacking for him. So I mean, they don't really have too much consistent uh, consistency. They're starting to what they both had a start a piece. I'm guessing or yeah. So that's concerning too, kind of. I mean, yeah, that's my big concern about TCU. It's their passing game for sure, but their run game makes up for it. They got they got quite a few backs that are just that are putting up some solid numbers. But um, and Duggan Duggan can run a little bit, but he's not the same runner as Alex Delton. But Alex Delton was your run first quarterback, and that just wasn't gonna. No, work. it's not great at TCU. Uh, I, I don't believe Duggan is their ideal quarterback. Like what Gary Patterson goes to bed dreaming of a quarterback in in a TCU system, but he gets the job done. And against, even though SMU is a quality opponent, they are nothing short. It's not like they're saying, oh, it's a group of five opponent. They're, they are a legitimate opponent. As, as we're watching Houston and Tulane, Houston probably should have beat Washington State and Tulane is is just a solid team, and SMU is right up there with them. But uh, I, I believe TCU is mightily improved from last year, and they're gonna they're gonna end up winning this game. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe make their case to come in like second or third in the Big Twelve. <laughs> yeah, and go to a go to a bowl game at like nine, uh, eight and four, nine and three. SMU is certainly winning this football game. All right, you're very confident. SMU is a hundred percent winning this game. You want me to stop the tape? What? <laughs> stop the tape. Yes, let's let's put it on there. SMU is one hundred percent beating TCU this Saturday. Oh. It's yeah, it seems kinda like when you're calling for an upset in Provo. That's what that's what this seems like, your confidence level. So it's, you it's may pretty, be right. It's, it's 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 up there, man. I'm telling you, you guys are you guys are gonna see SMU is gonna compete for that uh American Conference uh, Championship this season. Yeah, I I definitely believe SMU is is definitely up there to win the American with Memphis and UCF, but I just think TCU is is that good too. I, I if you look back, uh, I mean TCU the past couple years. They've they've not had winning seasons. They've not been a TCU that we've known them in the past. This isn't the old TCU. This is like a a transition. Are we a good TCU team? And I guess we'll find out more against SMU this weekend if they if they just come out and smack SMU in the face. And I might believe uh, in them at that point. But they still have to bounce back from previous seasons that where they hadn't showed much to me. Uh, and uh, SMU is an up and coming. They're rising, and I think they well, – just just wait and see. It's 100% SMU is going to win versus TCU. And we'll look back at this next week. You're like, man, Nico, you're right. That was crazy. I'll make a deal with you. If, if SMU wins, I'll start out the show by saying Nico was right. He was 100% on this, and he called, and we were both against him. I'll do it. It sounds like a good uh, eat, eat your. I'd rather segment. I'd rather you send I'd rather send my Venmo to you and we uh, make a deal that way. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I like this better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Speaking of making bold predictions and lesser teams beating bigger, we're gonna move on to super dogs in this next segment. Join us then. Some super dog action. That's what we're join, We're jumping into. I'm a. I love this segment. I love super dogs. Uh, I've been pretty good this year with super dogs. But you know, when you pick these crazy games and you and you think you have a formula, then comes a week that just throws your formula out the window. And that's probably gonna be this week. So for my my super dog, I got South Alabama against 
Alabama, Birmingham, the old Blazers. So my theory here is the Blazers, you know, they had a lot of seniors that that graduated and they were a team that just just came from death. They were a zombie program last year and they had a bunch of seniors. They were pumped up and this next year they've, they've kind of struggled with their discipline on the field, just tons of penalties against Alabama State where they barely won 24 to 19. They had eight turnovers for 72 yards. Their offense couldn't really get it moving out, outside of Brown, the running back. And then Akron kind of kind of snuck out of that one too. And they gave up a 359 passing yards. And South Alabama has a pretty prolific passer in Cephas Johnson. He's just a playmaker. He's their leading rusher and their leading passer. South Alabama is an up-and-coming team in the Sun Belt, and they gave a Nebraska a run for their money. There was a time in that game that South Alabama had that game and ended up um, slitting it. So it's a it's a ten point spread. It's a little too close for my for my liking, but I can I can definitely see South Alabama coming out and winning this game. And after the, uh, the viral video of the kicker, yeah, I, hey, that's all right. <laughs> It wasn't Cephas Johnson. Hopefully this doesn't come down to a field goal game. Like that holder, you know, they've already, they've probably already switched them out. He's probably um, disenrolled from South Alabama university. Probably. So. probably. <laughs> uh, so for my super dog, I mean, I've already made the bold prediction that Tennessee wins. So I might as well go all out. If I'm going to pick oh, them, yeah. win, I might as well pick them to be my super dog because they are, Florida is in favor, 14 points. Um, I mean, I could easily see Tennessee getting beat by 20, 21 points in this game. Easily. But I think that's a safe things. cover. I think I, I yeah. would say that's a safe cover. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a rivalry game, SEC matchup. It's like, even though it is in the swamp, Florida has an injured quarterback starting guy that hasn't started a game since his freshman year. It's a safe cover. Hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. Uh, On paper, I mean, it makes sense for a safe cover, but yeah. I mean, really, I, I was kind of surprised that it was 14. Like you would think. Yeah, that. I mean, that's pretty large for a Tennessee Florida, Florida game. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, one game that is um, it's kind of off the grid, but uh, this the Central Connecticut Blue Devils uh, out of the Northeastern Conference. I think they're a thirty-three point dog to uh, Eastern Michigan. I dude, I'd stay away from that game. No, I'm gonna. I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to go with that game. It's just a a, a spread that I was looking at there that I thought was that that I may have to look into because that's a big number and I like big numbers. I think Central Connecticut's not a shabby team. That's why I was looking into them to see what they see what they were doing this season. Uh, undefeated, scored uh, a lot of points in every game. Uh, so I think it could. I think they could cover a 33 point spread if possible. I mean, a 30-point win is still good, but I think they could cover a 30 Yeah, I would expect a spread like that against, you know, a Power 5 team. Maybe not exactly Eastern Michigan. Yeah, they they were my super dog last week, and they ended up winning the game, beat Illinois. 
but that was Illinois. Yeah, uh, Illinois not uh, and took everything within Eastern Michigan to sneak out of that game. I I I I don't think Illinois beats Central Connecticut by them by that much. And so it's just there's a lot of points, but Mike Glass the third, he's a he's a prolific quarterback and he's gonna put up numbers. So I could see it, but it does seem a little high. <laughs> How much is uh, Clemson favored by this week? I believe it's thirty-eight. Well, let me let me take a look here. So, see, even Clemson has to cover a thirty-eight point spread. I mean, that's only I know five points is a lot. In a that is game, that is UNC Charlotte. And UNC Charlotte is actually they've they've been pretty good, and they are an FBS team. They have actually one of the top defenses in their respective conference, and have have some big time players. But um, yeah, I think Tennessee played them last year maybe the year before like yeah, y'all played them back when uh greg olson's brother was playing quarterback okay yeah that sounds right yeah i'm, I'm loading up this this spread let's see clemson 41 and a half point spread now that sounds a little better <laughs> wow that's something if you're gonna take a big spread i mean that's <laughs> No, but that's Clemson. This is Eastern Michigan that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Yeah, another game that I was I was looking at because I was looking at that game, but I was also looking at um NC State Ball State. That was that was kind of an interesting game that I was also looking at. taking up uh, like uh, taking to uh, SMU up to ten and taking that game is pretty interesting. So. Since I am going with SMU 100%, that would have to be my super dog if I take it up to 10. And then uh, that's really about it. I can't find any other games that I'm very Yeah, it isn't, it isn't the best. Um, it's not a good spread week, especially with the big games. That's why I was looking deep into the uh, SEC schedule. Or not the SEC schedule. But I was kind of high on Central Michigan at – Miami, but then I saw Quentin Dormady was out, and I was like, eh, nah. oh, yeah. <laughs> stay away, stay away. Um, they, didn't they get me 61 and nothing? Well, yeah, but they, um, they they came back, and then the next week, I forgot who they played. I watched that game because um, I was I was researching that game, and, and they, they looked really good. Uh, I forgot who they played. But, Don't you um, feel bad for McIlwain, man? Just like, just kind of had, had a good thing going, and he just... I don't know what happened to him. He have a good thing going. <laughs> he had a pretty good little thing going. I mean, he 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 took Florida to some SEC championship games. Yeah, they played Akron and just uh, took them behind the woodshed. They um, that's they uh, 344 passing yards, 189 rushing yards. That's Tom R. School now, uh, former Peyton Manning backup at the Colts, and uh, he uh, coached at UTC last year, and now he's going. And he only went like six and six at UTC, and then got the job up there. I think he's from there, though. Yeah, so I'd I'd stay away from the Chippewas. But um, we're gonna round out this episode, and we we thanks for joining us. We hope you and you enjoyed the show, and hopefully we can we can give you some good talking points with the buddies on Saturday afternoon. All right, um, thanks for joining us. <laughs>